Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Good morning, good morning, church. Well, I wouldn't have thought we were going to be back in this situation again after... uh, after uh, last week as the governor's given us some ordinances to, to kind of go back online. But let me tell you what's happening. Let me tell you what's going on. Um, I know this was kind of a, last week we're gathering as a church and now this week we're gathering online. But let me tell you where we're going, what's happening, and then we'll, we'll get into the message. Hey guys, we're gonna, con- we're gonna be online. We don't know when this is gonna end. Um, there's been a little setback. We've got these guidelines to go back online. So we're gonna continue online uh, on Sunday mornings. But what we are gonna do is we're gonna add. You know, I don't want to subtract, though it seems like we're subtracting, I want to add. And what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to actually have live services on Sunday evening. So starting August 9th, we're going to be going live on the evening at 5, 5 to 7 o'clock. We're going to be uh, probably going to be start meeting at Lemon Grove site because that, that's conducive to what we can do in the courtyard uh, for people to park and have the things we need to do. And we'll give you more details. But we're going to be going live uh, as, as a body outside and doing outside evening services on Sunday evening. So um, just put it on your calendar, but we will still have Sunday morning services and we'll have Sunday evening. So we're gonna actually have two services uh, starting in August. And so for those online who could join us, we'd love to have you. And if those that wanna be in person, you could also join us on Sunday evening. So I just wanna put that in, in your ear as we are moving forward. Though um, it seems like uh, the enemy wants to hinder the word and chain the word, God's word will never be chained and God's work will never be changed and stopped. So we just wanna kind of let you guys know what's going on. Hey, we're gonna continue on our uh, morning uh, sermon series, I Love Thy Neighbor. We got this weekend, we got next weekend, and then um, we'll be done and we're gonna be jumping uh, 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 back later into back into Second Peter where I left off a, a couple of months ago to take a little break to do this. We're gonna go back into that book and finish it all up. I think it's still appropriate for, for what's happening and where we're going. So if you have your Bibles this morning, open up to Luke, the third chapter. Luke chapter three, we're looking at verses uh, seven through 16 this morning. Um, as we're looking at speaking truth to our neighbors, speaking truth to our, our neighbors. Um, a man um, was walking on a bridge when he saw a man who was going to jump off the bridge and, and commit suicide. And so he went to, out to rescue him. And he yelled, stop, stop, don't, don't jump. And the man looked, why shouldn't I jump? He goes, well, there's so much to live for. And the man said, like, like what? Well, are you religious? And he said, yes. Then the man said, then, are you a Christian or a Buddhist? He says, I'm a Christian. He says, me too. Are you Catholic or Baptist? He says, Baptist, wow, me too. Are you American Baptist or Southern Baptist? He said, Southern Baptist, he goes, me too. Are you free will or elected? He says, elected. He said, die, you scumbag, and he pushed him off the bridge. You know, religious and religious pride can separate us, but a lot of things can separate us today. There's a lot of things in the world that pride that can separate us today. And John's going to address some of the hard issues in Luke, the third chapter. He's going to speak some hard truths that we have to hear. And I believe he's going to speak it, though it appears hard, he's speaking it in love. 
We know that as we get into Luke chapter three, I wanna give you a little context to what's going on here. We know that there's been 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then there's now this crazy dude called John the Baptist that comes on the scene who was sent by God to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He comes on the, on the scene and he's beginning to preach this gospel. And he talks about how repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, if you look at John's story, you look at his personality, John was a, a bold and he was a fiery preacher who confronted the issues of the day. And we're gonna look at Luke chapter three as he's gonna confront the, the elitism of people and the religious leaders. We know later he would confront King Herod and his adultery that would later get him beheaded. But he was not afraid to speak the truth. He, he wasn't afraid to have hard conversations. He, he wasn't afraid to speak it like, like it is. And what we're going to see here is that men are coming out to the desert to be baptized. And what John's going to do, he's going to deal with their motive of why they're coming. He's going to challenge them about what is the reasoning why they want to become baptized. And we're going to see that in Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through 16. So before we get started, let's just pray in and ask God to, to just allow his Holy Spirit to teach us this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for your love and your blessings, and your goodness, and your mercy, and your grace. We thank you now, Lord, that you, God, hear us. We thank you this morning as we've been dealing with this sermon series on love thy neighbor in light of all that's been going on and what we've seen. Um, Lord, what, what does that look like? And Lord, as we get into Luke chapter three, you give us tangible ways to love our neighbor as we look at the message of John the Baptist as he speaks for some truths this morning. May we hear and receive them. May we not be offended by them, but may we receive them today. And so we thank you and we praise you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Hey guys, I'm watching you online as I see uh, Jenny Valle and Don and all you guys on there. Guys, as I'm going through my message this morning, if you have, we're gonna have a panel up and again, we're gonna go back. Last time we did this, you guys were able to shoot out some questions. Just think about some questions you might wanna ask us uh, when we get into our kind of our panel time that we can answer them. Because as we get to Luke chapter three, you're gonna be challenged with some things as we look at how to speak truth to our neighbor. Guys, there's hard conversations we need to have, amen? And we can't be afraid to have them. And the, having this sermon season is kind of my way of having these hard conversations and, and dealing with the elephant in the room. And so I just wanna clarify those things of some of the things we're discussing here. So the first thing about loving our neighbor, speaking truth to our neighbor this morning is that, that he, John's speaking truth about division. He's speaking truth about division. Look at verses seven through nine. He says, then he said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham our father as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now, even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Man, those are hard, some hard words in there. Some hard words, right? When I went on Google and I Googled up what people considered the worst sin, the word pride came up, right? The scriptures mentions, when he mentions the seven deadly sins, pride is one of those seven deadly sins. It's actually probably the, the top one there. The word pride in the Latin means superbia. It's considered on almost every list and the origin of the most serious of all the seven deadly sins and the perversion of the uh, faculties that make humans more like God or dignity or holiness. We know that it's also thought 
to be the source of all other capital sins. So Satan's sin was what? Was pride, right? It was self-exaltation that he wanted to be like God. You know, pride is the greatest divider. That's why the scripture states pride comes before the fall. Pride builds walls where love builds bridges. And so John's gonna deal with the issue of a pride and elitism. He's gonna deal with the issues how pe sometimes people think themselves more highly than they ought to. When you look at the scriptures, he's gonna address some of those issues. So what does he do? He begins to speak the truth about elitism. He begins to speak the truth about how people see themselves uh, this morning. And so we know that right off the bat, he, John, when he's speaking to all the crowd that's come, he doesn't mix words. I love that about John. I can relate to that about a John. Sometimes, guys, we want to say things, but we're afraid to say things because we don't want to offend anybody. John did have that problem. John just shot it straight, right? John was fulfilling his mission and his purpose in his life as prophesied by Isaiah 43 through 5 that he was going to be uh, preaching in the desert, that he was going to be the forerunner, that he was this prophet and preacher who was preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. Man, John the Baptist was a strange dude. Think about it here. He, he wore camel's hair, a leather belt, he ate locusts and wild honey. His hair was probably all crazy like Einstein. And he's out in the desert preaching the gospel, preaching about repentance, preaching about sin. And multitudes of people came out to there, out to the desert to, to hear him. You know what? In a day and age in our culture, we want to be politically correct. People are afraid to boldly preach the gospel. John is preaching such a way that he's not giving out to tickle people's ears. He, he, he's not here to, to um, begin to address the issues safely. He wants to bring it out. But who is he speaking to, right? Who is, who is, who is he having this hard conversation with? With those who are oppressors, the, the religious institution and about the pride and a, a mixed multitude here. Who was present when John is in John chapter 2? You had the Jews that were present, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. You had the, the, the soldiers and the tax collectors. They're all present in the story we're going to read here in a minute. They're coming out, out to the desert. You have those that were the curious and the presumptuous and the complacent. And John will challenge them a little bit in a moment of, why are you coming out here? Why are you coming out to be baptized? What's stirring you here? And he will speak the truth about their spiritual condition about their own corruption. Man, that's a, that's a hard word right there, right? That people are corrupt. He's gonna, he's gonna deal with their own hatefulness. He's gonna deal with their own issues, right? Think about how John opens up. He doesn't even say hello, you know? When somebody comes, you usually have greetings. He doesn't even give a greeting. His greeting is some harsh words, right? He opens up his message in some colorful words. He calls you a bunch of brood of vipers. Wow. He called them snakes. Well, that's, you know, you're going to win some friends with those words, right? Calling you a bunch of brood of vipers. What he was saying, you're just, you're just poison. You're just poison. What are snakes? Snakes are poisonous, right? You've been poisoned and you're poisonous, right? What did God, what did, what was used in the garden? The Satan became a serpent in the garden in the fall. And he poisoned all humanity with his words and, and the things he said and the deceptions that he brought. And at the fall in the garden, he, the, the world became poisoned. It became infected by sin and the effects of sin. 
You know, I think we are afraid to deal with the issue of sin. In our culture, the word sin could even be looked upon as bad, or we can't say the word sin. We can't use these word corruption. We can't use the word lawlessness. We can't use any of these words. So people are afraid of them. In a culture that wants to just speak a Barney gospel, like, I love you, you love me, we're just one happy family, you know what I mean? We're afraid to talk about the real condition of men because people can be offended by it. Some of you might be listening right now. You're like, man, I'm just gonna check out right now. I'm like, I encourage you, don't check out because John's gonna deal with the issues of our own depravity, our own brokenness, our own issues because we have to look at those very things in order to bring healing in our, in our land, right? We know that when John comes and brings the truth, sometimes the truth, might, you might feel offended by it. You might be even hurt by it, you know? Blessed are a wound of a friend. Those are the things that are very important. I'd rather have a friend tell me the truth than just pat my back when I'm doing something wrong. And so John's gonna speak some truth here, right? He's not here to tickle people's ears. He wants to deal with the reality of the situation. He's gonna deal with the issue of pride and and self-righteousness. You saw that in the passage. He called them a bunch of brood of vipers, you poisonous people. And they stood back because who is he speaking to? Well, I said he's speaking to a multitude, but specifically religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Because if you read the text, they talks about how, well, we're from, from Abraham, right? We're, we're, we have Abraham as our father. Who, who would have said that? That would have been the religious Jews. That would have been the Pharisees, the Sadducees. And what John says, don't even bring that issue up right? Don't even, don't bring your race card on me. Don't bring your heritage on me. Don't throw that out to me. That John is dealing with this. I'm going to talk to you about your sin and don't tell me you're part of Abraham's family, right? Just because you have a godly family doesn't mean that you're godly. Hmm? Think about that for a minute. That's what, that's what John was saying. Come on, because just because you're a part of the Abraham doesn't mean part of the, the line of Abraham doesn't change the fact that you got to deal with your own depravity your own sin. You know what the problem of that day and of that time was we called nationalism. Nationalism became their identity and they became their elitism. As, as they saw themselves as God's chosen people and that they were higher than other people. And they saw themselves as higher and, they, and so they had prejudice toward others and they would call the Gentiles dogs and, and they call the Corinthians Cretans and call different people different names because they, they put themselves up on a pedestal of elitism and, and they didn't see themselves created in the image of God. So others created in the image of God. Think about Paul the apostle. He even speaks about this in his own testimony about his elitism and about his heritage. If you turn to Philippians 3, 4 through 6, Paul spoke about his racial identity before Christ as elitism. Look what it says in 3, 4 on down. It says, though I almost might have confidence in my own flesh. Hey, I'm into myself, my own confidence in flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in flesh, I more so circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews concerning law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church concerning righteousness, which is in the law blameless. He gave his own resume of his own identity as a Jewish religious leader. Man, I was top dog. That's, that's who I was. And he was proud. He's prideful about that heritage. But his identity changed when he came to know Christ. In fact, in Philippians 3, continuing on in the passage in 7 through 9, 
He changes his whole demeanor. He changes his whole perspective when he writes this. But what things were gained to me, these I counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, nothing having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ." his whole demeanor, his whole perspective. He, he dropped his elitism. He says, all that stuff that I had and who I was, my identity and my race and, and my heritage, all that is garbage in light of me knowing God and who I am in Christ. He has a new identity here. See, the walls of separation was their ethnic pride, right? And that's what the religious thought about themselves, right? Guys, we are not, Christians because we are Americans. We are not saved because of our politics. Listen, we just celebrated the 4th of July and, and I, I love our country and, and I, I'm, I'm an American who happens to be Hispanic, right? And, I, I, and I, I, I am so grateful for the freedoms and the liberties that we have to proclaim and preach the gospel to do these things. But my mission is not trying to make America great again. It is trying to make biblical Jesus great in America. That is my mission. So here's the truth for you this morning. We cannot put our nation, politics, ethnicity before God. That is called idolatry. That is called idolatry. We don't worship the creation. We worship the creator. And so that's what John was beginning to address here. That don't put these things before God. That's a sin. Don't make these images and these positions, all that before the mission and the kingdom of God. But here, this, this here was the problem. This was the poison. The truth there was a poison and he called them vipers and you're poisonous. But let me, he says, but here's the answer. Here's the inoculation of the gospel. He talks about, you need to repent of self-righteousness. We see that in verse eight and nine. He called them to bear the fruit of, of repentance. Repentance is the antidote for the serpent's venom. You know, we, we, we are people in our culture can be very prideful. Chris Como, who's a, a commentary, wrote this as it relates to what's going on in our culture, as it relates to what's going on with race, as it relates to what's going on with um, COVID-19. He says this, if you believe in one another and if you do the right thing for yourself and your community, things will get better in this country. You don't need help from above. It's within us. Man, that's a quote I'm writing that he said. We don't need help from above. It's within us. Are we God? Do we have the answers to these issues? Are, are we bigger and, and we have the solutions? Obviously, we've had problems in our world. Obviously, it hasn't gotten better. That's the problem is that man is depraved and falls short of the glory of God and the standards of God and the standards by which he said, that's why we're in the state that we're in because we haven't loved our neighbor as God commanded. In fact, the Bible says love our neighbor as even God loved us. Listen, be careful of this mindset. It's within you that you're good enough. You'll work it all out. We've lived like that for a long time and look at where it's got us. We kick God out and look at where it got us. And so that Paul, John is addressing these issues that we need to, to repent. And so he called the religious leaders and the people to repentance because he's discerning their insincerity. Why are you coming to be baptized? Your heritage isn't going to save you. Your denomination will not save you. 
Your religious pride will be judged. The act is at the root of the tree. You need to bear the fruit of repentance because of the wrath of God or the wrath of judgment to come. We, want, we need to repent as a nation that we haven't followed God, that we put other things before God. We worshiped ourselves. We worshiped our culture. We worship a lot of things before God. And God's here and we're over here. We, we have to be careful of what we're doing. And if we put other things before God, then we need to be a nation that repents. We want to heal our land. We need to be a nation that's willing to repent because judgment is coming. And when one repents, he bears the, the fruit of love, to love God and to love our neighbors, right? That's what he's doing. Judgment, he said judgment is to come, right? We know that God is a, a just God and he will hold us accountable to, to our actions. And when one repents, wrath is replaced by mercy and saved by grace and fruitless repentance will face a fiery judgment. I want you to hear that. We're all gonna be held accountable one day to stand before God and acknowledge what we did on this side of heaven. There's the great white throne judgment and there's the judgment seat of Christ. There's a judgment for believers and there's a judgment for unbelievers. So here's the truth in this. Repentance means we turn from our ways of thinking and living to follow Christ's ways of living and thinking. That's called kingdom thinking. That's what we're called to do uh, this morning. And so he speaks about the division. But the second thing, he's speaking truth about loving our neighbor. As the multitude is there, as this mixed crowd is coming, we're seeing here in verses 10 through 14, he's gonna erase elitism is what he's gonna do. He's gonna say, here, you repent it. Now this is what you're called to do, right? This is the fruit of repentance. This is how we respond if we're truly gonna say we want things to change. Uh, when Julie and I first got married, we owned a, a catamaran. I don't know if you remember this, Julie, this little small catamaran. And we used to take it out. We went on vacation to go on the lakes to, to go. But in order for a catamaran to work, you had to put up the sails and then you had to have the wind catch the wind into the sails and it would push the catamaran along the lake. And if you did it right, you could actually get it on its side and it would go really, really fast. But if you don't hit the wind the right way and you go against the wind, and man, it doesn't work and it's hard and it's laborious and you're just struggling. So you always got to have the right angle and portion of the wind. Let me tell you something. If we don't repent, there'll be def difficult days ahead of us, hard days ahead of us. If we don't repent, we're not going to align ourselves with God. We're not going to align in such a way that God would fill our sails by his spirit to move us to where he needs to be. They're allowing the Holy Spirit to empower us like the wind empowered the boat. The Holy Spirit's the one that's going to empower us in this day and this age. That we would bear the fruit of repentance, that we walk in such a way that's honorable. That's honorable to God. We cannot do it on our own. We need God's power. And so John is beginning to speak about three things here of how we need to step in this way of loving our neighbor. When they heard the word of God, when, he, when they heard John's word, it must have stirred them because they asked a question. Verse 10 says, so the people asked them saying, what shall we do then? When truth is spoken, there will be a response. God's, in repentance, God wants to change our direction. Repentance is really just turning and going the other way, right? You remember in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit comes upon him and he preaches this powerful sermon to the masses. 3,000 
get saved, we know that day. But it says that when, they, when the Holy Spirit came on them and they heard the preaching, they asked the question. Look at Acts 2, 37 and 38. It says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. That's what the word does. They were cut to heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said to them, repent and let everyone who be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know what? God's word is gonna go out. And the question is, what question are you gonna ask? When, the, when, when God's truth go out, there's gonna be many, many responses to it. Those might be curious to it. Those might be convinced by it. Those that might commit to it. And there might be those that reject it when God's word goes out. But there was a question posed. What shall we do then? The lawyer asked the same questions to Jesus. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? The Philippian jailer said, sir, what must I do to be saved? John the Baptist asked, are you coming one or do we look for another? There were many, many questions being asked at that time, in the time of, of Jesus. Here's the truth I wanna to bring to you this morning. What questions do you need to ask? And is it the right question? Is the question to learn or is it the question to justify your own actions? What questions are you asking this morning? But when they asked these questions, when they asked this one question, John gave them three answers to the question. As he's speaking to the mixed multitudes, as he's speaking to the tax collector, as he's speaking to the soldiers that were present. You know, there are things that when you were young, you remember you were, when you were young, you went to kindergarten, when you went to school? Well, right now we're not having any school. <laughs> but when you went to kindergarten, there are things that you were called to do and taught as a kindergartner, right? Be nice, be gentle, share, be kind. You learn those things in kindergarten, right? Maybe there should be a book called The Things We Learned in Kindergarten. But, but the reality of all this, there were simple principles that were learned. You're gonna see that John is actually laying out these simple principles like we learned in kindergarten when we were young, right? He, he first speaks to the multitude that are there uh, in, in verse 11, right? We see that in, in, in verse 11, that he's, he's speaking out to the people. What is he commanding them to do? Look at verse 11. He answered, said to him, he who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. What is he saying? To the multitudes, he's saying this, be generous people. Be generous people. Share with others. Where do we learn that from? We learned it early on, right? When you, when you have kids, you're, you're going to Call to share things, share your toys and, and share things, right? He's telling them to, to share, to, to be generous people, to give away your excess. Don't be hoarders. Guys, we have storage bins today. You know, it's a storage and all these places. People are storing their stuff in bins, paying rent once a month that's not even in their house. We are hoarders. Storing things we don't even use. John is saying to the people here, to what? Share your coat. Share your coat, right? It says, if you have two tunics, give one. What was it? A tunic was a garment. It was a coat. It, it was to help keep people warm. If, and if someone had two tunics, sometimes they would use a tunic as, it would be like a long trench coat. They would actually use it like a blanket in that day, right? They wore one and they used one like that. And, and he, what, what are they saying here? They're saying, share some clothing, share those. 
that need clothing or share your resources or share those things with people in need. Not only share your coat, but share your food, right? For those that are hungry, share for those in need. I think of Matthew chapter 25. It's a prophetic chapter actually on judgment, right? He's gonna judge us on what we did this side of heaven, how we lived our lives on this side of heaven. And he separates, right, the sheep from the goats, from the believers, from unbelievers, in, in light of response to the needs they saw around themselves. Chapter 25, Matthew 35 says this, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. It's a, it's a story, it's a parable. And the response of verse 40 is this about the king. It says, and the king will answer and say to him, surely I say to you, in as much as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. You did it to me. When we, when we gave food to the hungry, we gave it food to Jesus. When we gave drink to somebody's thirsty, we're giving drink to Jesus. If you go down to verses 41 to 46 of Matthew 25, he says, for those who didn't share were cast out of the presence of God for everlasting punishment. Man, that's hard words. It's a prophetic word about how we're called to live, the seriousness of sharing and being generous people, caring for those that needed basic needs of food and clothing. We're gonna love our neighbor. There's a lot of need right now. In this COVID environment, we're called to bring resource to, to meet those in need right now. James 2, 15 and 16 says, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and be filled, but you do not give them the things which is needed for the body, what does it profit? James talks about faith and works going together, okay? And so we're talking about being generous people. Then he turns to the tax collectors in verses 12 and 13. And he says this, then tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to him, collect no more than what is appointed for you. You know what he's saying? Be honest, people. Be honest, people. We're first to be generous people. Now he's saying be honest people. Don't steal, don't cheat, right? Stealing is listed among the 10 commandments in the law. To be, to be honest people, right? Tax collectors were Jews who worked for the Roman government, you know this, I've taught about this. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Matthew's a tax collector who comes to know Jesus. They extorted their own people as Jewish people, took advantage of their own people. And when they collected the Roman tax money, they would take it for the government and then add on to it. So they would have a, 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 a they would get more money and they would live on high on the hog. They were kind of the hustlers of the, the gangsters of the day. They were the, kind of like the thugs of the day, Right? We know when, when God touched Matthew and he, and he touched Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus paid four times back what he took and threw a party for his friends to meet Jesus. He says here, just be honest people. We're called to be honest people. I mean, you get calls about people trying to rip you off. You get emails. Elderly get taken advantage today in our culture. They're getting ripped off. Are you the type of people when you get change back, it's more than what you're supposed to get? Do you return it? Do you give it back? Or it's like, oh, they made a mistake. I can benefit from it. We're called to be honest people, people of integrity, people of character. Then he turns to the soldier, right? In verse 14, likewise, the soldier asked them saying, what shall we do? 
So he said to them, do not imitate anyone or accuse falsely or be, and be content with your wages. What is this telling the soldiers? Be loving people. Be loving people. Don't bully, don't slander, and don't be discontent. He lists three things there of the do nots, right? And we know that the soldiers had the power and they could abuse their power. In fact, if they asked you to carry their sword for a mile, Jesus said, if they ask you to carry it for a mile, I say carry it for two miles. Go the extra mile. Go the second mile, right? Because the law only required them to go one. But Jesus said, go the distance with them. Aren't we supposed to do that with people today? Those that don't even follow God, are we supposed to go the distance today? Don't intimidate. Don't bully people for your own purpose. In fact, the King James Version of that phrase right there means do violence to no one. Do violence to no one. Man, look at what's happened on our streets. Look at the response, whether you're with the police or whether you're on the streets. We do violence to no one. We harm no one. Because what we've forgotten that about how we're not, to, how we've forgotten to not how to love our neighbor. We're not to intimidate. We're not use our position as power to oppress. In fact, Jesus had great power and he used it to serve. We're called to use what our positions as places of service, not a place of power to oppress. But I think we've lost that perspective in our world today because what? Because we're self-centered. He says, don't slander or to, to make up lies or speak evil of others. Watch your tongue. Watch what you say. Man, social media is the tongue out of control, but with a pen. That's all that is right now. He says, bite your tongue. There are things people being said today, guys, bite your tongue. Hold your pen back. Keep it back because be careful. Every word you say will be held accountable before the Lord. James gives a whole chapter on the tongue about how this little tongue, this little muscle can cause a lot of fires and a lot of damage. Be careful what we speak about other people and what we say about other people. You know, when you're growing up, you heard it say, if you can't say anything nice, don't say it at all. Remember that? You were taught by that as your parents. Not that we listened, but we were taught that. I think we have the same problem today. If you're going to use your tongue today, use it to pray for people instead of slandering them and let God deal with them. Don't be discontent. You know, don't be discontent. I mean, you know, don't have a covetous heart. Be content with what you have been given and been blessed with. Titus 3.14 says, let our people also learn to maintain good works to meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. Here's the truth. Then I'm going to give you a scripture. The truth is this, Galatians 5.14, for all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And guys, lastly, John was speaking truth about who we ultimately serve. God was speaking truth. We see that in Luke 15 and 16 because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Look at this. Now, as the people were in expectation and all reason in their heart about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answers saying, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mighty and I is coming whose sandal straps I'm not worthy to loose it. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He reveals that the people were reasoning in their heart about John's identity. We see that in 15. People want to worship. And we're created to worship. 
we're designed to worship, right? And there were some expectations that were going on here. It says, now the people were in expectation, it says in verse 15. They, they wanted hope. They wanted something. They came out to the desk because they were looking for something. I believe today, whether you're online or whether you're coming to church, you have some expectations and you're looking for, for hope. John is going to give them some good news right now. And he is giving them some good news. We need good news. We need good news right now in the, in the midst of this COVID and race issues that we're facing. We need some good news right now. And they begin to reason in their heart about who John was, this prophet, who is he the Messiah? They pondered his identity. They were deliberating on who this man was. I love this about John. You see the humility of John. John could have taken advantage of this vulnerability of the people like some false shepherds do today who promise health, wealth, and prosperity, who, who extort people of their money, who say, oh, I'm gonna pray and COVID's gone. Be careful of those individuals on TV. Be careful for those poisonous vipers. I'm speaking to you, church. There's prophets out there or pastors that are not speaking the word of God. They're not. He could have built his own kingdom at this point. John could have just took the, the crowd and they got the pats on the back and built his own kingdom and his own empire. But what did he say? We read in John 3.30, I must decrease so that he can increase. He denied himself and pointed to Jesus. Here's the truth, guys. Here's the truth in John, what John was saying. We are to point people to the Savior, Jesus. We are not the Savior. We are not the Savior. And he revealed Christ's mission. He revealed who Christ was in verse 16. John admits, I'm not the one. And he speaks of the one mightier than him, the one who's sandal strapped. He, I'm not worthy to loosen, he says. That day they wore sandals and he unbuckled them when they would wash people's feet when they came to the house. I'm not even worthy to do that, John said, the humility of John. See, I baptize with water. That's my earthly responsibility. That's my mission. That's my service. But Christ's mission, he has a baptism too. First, he's gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He's gonna baptize you with power. Water baptism is for identity. Holy Spirit baptism is for power. We see that in Acts 2. In, in the story of the church when they met, they were poured on by power in Acts 1.8 and Acts 2. The Holy Spirit came on them. Acts 10, we studied last week of the centurion. The Holy Spirit came on them. But it talks about Holy Spirit and fire. God gives us power in this day and age to address the issues we're facing, to love our neighbor. God's given us the power to do that. But fire... Interesting word. It's symbolic of purification and sanctification and judgment. Suffering is a part of our walk. I want you to hear that. Suffering is a part of why you enter the kingdom through tribu tribulation. When gold needs to be purified, they, they burn it, they put it in fire and, they, and, and, and the dross goes to the top and they remove it. It's a, a part of purging, it's a part of... Maybe some of this plagues is for purging. Maybe some of the difficulties that we're going through right now, maybe it's God saying, I'm awakening the church, I'm awakening... Where is your faith today? How are you trusting me? Look at what we're facing. How's COVID-19 revealing where your faith is right now. How's the issue of racism? What is that revealing about your own heart? 
God is purifying his church and provoking the world to awaken to its brokenness and that it's in need of a savior. Here's the truth. We need to remember our mission is to serve the one greater than us. We need to remember our mission is to serve the one greater than us. John did that. That was Jesus' mission to be our Messiah. So as I close this morning, the scriptures challenges us to speak the, the truth in love. And John has spoken the truth in love. God's word is his love message to us. But sometimes in the gospels and in the epistles, there are some hard teachings that we have to be mindful of and trust. So I leave you with these three thoughts. And then we're gonna bring the panel up this morning. Number one, we must repent of elitism if we are to love our neighbor. We are to repent of elitism if we're to love our neighbor. Number two, we must get back to the basic elements of serving our neighbor. And lastly, we must remember we do not serve ourselves, but God who is the refiner, who is the refiner. Guys, we've been looking at John's little message to the multitudes. And I wanna bring Brian and, and Pastor James up as we look at um, some of the things of dialoguing here as a, a panel. And we're gonna wanna address some of the issues that John is speaking about. And come on guys. We've been taking a moment, guys. If you have some questions, I see you right here. You can shoot some. I can see you on the screen if you have a thought here, a question. But I, I, guys, as you've heard my message, you, we looked at God, uh, John, Luke 3, looking at John the Baptist's kind of fiery preaching. <laughs> he's, he's bringing the word. He's, he's bringing it to the multitude. He's not afraid. What are your thoughts? What were the first thoughts that you guys kind of stuck out to you in, in uh, Luke 3 as, as John is, is, is preaching, uh, preaching the word? When I first read this, I'm like, John, take it to him. <laughs> and I, some of the comments online as you were teaching, people are like, yeah, you tell him off, John. And so um, as I read that scripture, I was convicted though, because when you look at the words of John, the words of Jesus, and going after the religious elite, it's easy to think those guys. Mm -hmm. And in the message, it says, John exploded Brood of snakes, what do you think you're doing slithering down here to the river? Do you think a little water on your snake skin is going to deflect God's judgment? Mm. It's your life that must change, not your skin. Don't you think you can pull, and don't think you can pull rank by claiming Abraham as father. And so the conviction is to put my name in those references. Brian, you're a snake. Mm. Brian, are you slithering down? And, you know, during the season, I've had to repent and confess probably more than I have in the past few years, just because it's convicting to see what is going on as far as racism and looking at what has been my place in either fighting for people who've been oppressed uh, or saying things or having um, ideologies that don't line up with scripture. And so I, that's what I see uh, is taking that personal responsibility and um, and turning back to God, repenting and, and starting to do the things that John says um, that are basic. I think I'm along the same lines as you, Brian, also in that uh, found my personal accountability and responsibility. 
um, when faced with you brood of vipers, you know, you offspring of vipers. And, you know, the word is first is for us individually as we come to it. And, uh, but I think a lot of times when we approach the word is that people are looking to point the finger and the blame on everybody else, but fail to see uh, their own culpability there. Uh, so, yeah, so again, going with what you said, what was the first thing that hit you is that John is speaking to me. And, um, and that's a tough pill to swallow, to be part of, a, to be the offspring of a viper. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I saw the question, I think um, Rosalinda asked, um, how do you repent as a leader or as a pastor? Yeah, thank you. And, uh, and that's just it. First is coming to the word and allowing that uh, word to penetrate our heart and not be so quick to take offense that, oh, it's talking about everybody else, but uh, it's me. And it's, it's basically coming down and, and uh, humbling ourselves and, and being on bended knee or just completely face down. And God, help me, a sinner, recognize that I'm just a man just like anyone else and um, that all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, Yeah, I, I think a lot of it is for us acknowledging our own imperfections, acknowledging our own. You talk about, you know, how do we as leaders repent? First of all, acknowledging where, where are the areas that we've fallen short and areas of of elitism or even as pastors and leaders, we can feel like people serve us instead of us serving them. And Jesus said, wash the disciples' feet and go do likewise when he washed the disciples' feet. And so we forget the, the heart of humility in the sense of that. And so that breeds a heart of pride and arrogance, which is a form of elitism. You know, I mean, we're better or deserving or, or whatever. And we have to be careful of our role in our cultures to serve that people can be encouraged and stuff like that. Katie asked a question there. What ways can we approach? Hold your mic. Excuse me. What ways can we approach people with this love without judgment, as some may perceive it to be? That's a great question. Um, and uh, as a matter of fact, I had a gentleman. Uh, I'll just try to edit so he won't be um, uh, embarrassed if he's on line. But he had a real difficult time with um, Black Lives Matter. He didn't, he didn't understand this part. You know, I'm not talking about the organization. It's just talking about what, when, when those that are protesting in regards to Black Lives Matter, their initial thought is, our Black Lives Matter also. It's the other word that needs to be added to it. Our, our lives matter also. And it, because it's, it should go without saying, all lives matter. But what we're trying to say is, is that our lives haven't mattered here in society. So we're just trying to say, hey, take a look at us. And so... I had to listen to him at first, and uh, and that was hard. And because I, you know, I wanted to justify, you know, you know, my life matters, and I felt like my life didn't matter to him, you know. And I and I was really hurt. But then I wanted to. I, I the, but my goal this year was uh, because the Lord just really impressed my heart. James, you got to listen well to understand. And then when you understand, hopefully you also earn the right to speak. And so what I was trying to do was earn the right to speak with him by, by, by showing that I'm listening well and trying to understand him and asking the appropriate questions. And I learned that there was some hurt there. There was also that he had, and there was also some, some uh, things in the past that uh, um, he was stuck in. And then my heart began to break for him because he was really ignorant in the things of today that's going on with today and, and really almost not in reality. And so I, I began to hurt for him. 
But the key in that question is, in your question is, is to really take the time to listen and know that if this individual, whoever you're talking to, might not be right where you're at, it's okay. Because there's a lot of reasons why that individual is where they're at. And if we don't take the time to listen, we, we will blow them out of the water, which my flesh wanted to do. Um, but I listened and I realized that, wow, he has a whole lot of uh, misconceptions and ignorances that have been impressed upon him for years. And to erase it in just one sit down, there's no way that's going to happen. So it's going to take time to love. And so just be, as Pete had said in his message, gotta, we, we've got to shut up more before we have that opportunity to, to speak the truth to him in love. And if you can't say it in love, then you need to keep your mouth shut. Mm. You know, and keep in this idea of listening. I was off of Facebook for this week as part of a, you know, just being focused in prayer. I mentioned that to you. And I was Friday afternoon. I thought, oh, I'm going to go back on, just catch up. And within five minutes, I was so spun up. I'm like, just people from every direction, every side. And no one's listening. Um, everyone's speaking past each other. Um, there's not a, and, you know, believers and, and non-believers alike. And it's a, a sad testimony. Um, I think there are difficult things we have to talk about. And I appreciate your spirit. I know Chris has been very um, willing to engage with people of different race, of different ideologies. And I think that's been great. And um, we just have to get past this idea of um, shouting so loud because of our opinion um, because of our, what we think the truth is, and we have to start looking at the person. And you mentioned, um, you referenced what we learned in kindergarten, and I had thought of this last night when you'd called me. The book was written in 1986. Um, everything, all I really need to know I learned in kindergarten. Share everything, play fair, don't hit people, put things back where you found them, clean up your own mess, don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you're hurt. Wash your hands before you eat. <laughs> We've learned that this last few months. Flush. That's my favorite. And it goes on from there. But the John's calling us to simple repentance. It's not a complicated um, set of commands. It's basically, it's rooted in love your neighbor, uh, love your God first, and then love your neighbor. And when we're so intent on defending our position that we don't listen. Um, Angela had texted me, what gave John the Baptist the, uh, because he looked so different, you know, he wore this uh, weird outfit, he ate grasshoppers or locusts, the Bible says, and honey, what gave him the authority to speak or the right to speak to those in human leadership? And I think it ultimately came down to there was no doubt in his mind of who he served Amen. and he spoke the message of God. And that's when we need to confront, if we speak from who God has made us to be, that's, that will bless others because we're not in it for ourselves. That's right. The, the Bible says that John was sent by God. So John had authority already. This crazy, he uses the fullest things of the world to, to confound the wise, right? And so guys, we have been given authority with this message of love to proclaim, proclaim it. We don't, we don't have to worry about whether, whether people are gonna receive, that's really between them and the Lord, whether they're gonna receive that message. We come lovingly, we come openly, we come even 
vulnerably. We come, like you were sharing, of like, this is my struggle. This is where I'm struggling. This is, this is my, my blind spots. This is my thing here. Help me work through these things. I think when we could come to the table, then we could deal with the issues that we're facing. Because now you're coming to the table saying, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to, to have these hard conversations. I'm willing to dialogue about the elephant in the room, right? The reason people don't dialogue is they're afraid. They're fearful about what other people think. They feel they're going to get blasted. They feel like they're, if they say something, they're going to be called a racist. They're going to feel that we'll never accomplish anything if we don't have a heart to just sit and talk. You know, and I, th- I know that John comes hard, but then he gets to, let's get back to what the real, the real meat and potatoes of this is to serve, right? It's, it's to love our neighbor and serve. When you start serving people, then you can have those hard conversations because you've already broken the walls of hostility down by loving and serving them. Then you have a right to say, let's just talk about this and have those conversations. The, uh, Andrew Murray describes biblical humility as this, completely and utterly trusting God with everything. And I think the church has gotten to a point where we have decided not to trust God at his word. Are we gonna give God an opportunity to work in every situation? You know, are we gonna trust him? What, you know, we might see something as a, a, an argument and a fight, but if we're taking the time to speak God's truth, God's word, we need to give him time and, oper- and, and opportunity to work in someone's heart. So um, there was a story I was going to say. I better not, I won't share it. Never mind. Okay. But I want to close with this because I think part of the question was when you talk about speaking the truth and love without coming off of being judgment is first of all, how you communicate. I feel this way. I'm struggling with this. You're not attacking with those words. We don't want to be people that attack. Yeah. Okay, we, and we're not trying to be that. And so we're talking about some of the issues. Are we willing to listen, but take our own responsibility too on some of that? Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, guys, let's, uh, let's pray out and then uh, uh, Brian's going to lead us in communion. Father, heaven, thank you, Lord, for this morning, for your love and blessings, your goodness, mercy, and grace. Thank you for your word. Lord, we acknowledge, um, Lord, that you need to be in the center of our conversations. We acknowledge that we don't have the answer. We're not all knowing, but we have your word that leads us and guides us. You have your word that directs us. And we pray this morning, Lord, we, that your word would be that. And that, Father, if we come humbly before you, we ask that you will forgive us of our own biases, our own elitism, our own, um, uh, when we start thinking ourselves more highly than you, Lord, when we start putting other things before you, we start acknowledging other things and Lord, we ask your forgiveness. Lord, we repent of those things. We turn from those things this morning that, Father, you're the center and the object of our worship. Hebrews says we're to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And so we trust you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.